Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome to my podcast, In My Little Corner of the World. My name is Dr. Jenea Perdue, and this is my podcast, Melanated Stamps. Here, I talk with phenomenal people who are doing phenomenal things all over the world. I currently live in Shenzhen, China, but my roots are Denver. And y'all, Denver has a... a reputation of being a super white town and y'all it is however there are incredible people who are doing incredible things in my hometown and they're melanated and this is my opportunity in the series Denver Wild Black to talk about them. Barry Overton is our guest for today and he is an author and a speaker and a real estate guru and used to do law enforcement and all kinds of phenomenal things and y'all he wrote a book. His book And his website is called Ignite Your Greatness. And you can find his work at IgniteYourGreatness.com. Just in case you forget or you want to check out some photos of him and also check out the other work that I have been doing, other conversations, you can find my work at MelanatedStamps.com and also Melanated Stamps on Instagram. And that's M-E-L-A-N-A-T-E-D-S-T-A-M-P-S. Yeah, so... I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. He's wonderful. And I feel like after hearing from him, you will be super inspired to continue and also take those big leaps to live your best life. So without further ado, y'all, this is my conversation with Barry Overton. Ah, we're here. Welcome everyone to Melanated Stamps. Um, my name is Dr. J, Janaya Perdue, and I'm happy to see you all. Um, today we have an amazing guest, and I would like him to introduce himself. So, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Janaya, and it's a pleasure to be here. And my name is Barry Overton. I am in Denver, Colorado. Been here about 29 years now. Uh, formerly from uh, originally from Austin, Texas, but I law enforcement, the uh, profession that I used to be in is what brought me here. I am a Gulf War veteran. I spent 26 years in law enforcement, most of those here in Denver. Uh, also been an entrepreneur for about 25 years, real estate uh, broker for the last 20 years and new brand new author and speaker now so that's kind of a a new endeavor that just started over the last uh, six months and really just excited about the path that that's taking me down right now oh that's so exciting excellent thank you so much for sharing uh i have a quick question you know if you add up all of those numbers it's like a hundred so are you doing two things at once or how did that work out for you <laughs> you know yeah every time i i kind of share what it is that i i've done in my life people are like dude how old are you yeah and as we talk you you kind of learn my mentality in regards to why i do so many different things and um uh, the the reason behind it, but also um, th- th- there's this thing, this burning desire inside of me that pushes me. I can tell you there, there's other things that I, I haven't started yet, but I will um, in, in the course of life. But it, it was just, it's just been one of those things for me that um, early on in life, I had some regret about a dream that I had for myself and I gave up on it. I quit on my dream. And I told myself, 
at a very early age, I'll never do that again because I, I don't like the feeling of regret, of thinking, man, what if? So now when I want to do something, I do it. You know, I, I figure it out and I do it. And it's, you know, I, I look at life as we get one shot here, you know, and tomorrow is not guaranteed. So I don't waste a day. I, I wake up every day with purpose and and working in it and just pursuing all the, the goals and dreams that that I have on my on my heart. Oh, excellent. So you how did you get to become in I have a couple questions. One, how did you get to become so very intentional? And my second question is what um questions do you ask yourself to make sure that in the future you don't have regret? Um, okay, so for the first question, I'll take you back a little bit, just kind of share that where the regret came from. So as a kid at probably four years old, that's when I really started thinking about dreaming and what I'm going to do when I grow up or who I'm going to be when I grow up. And I can tell you, you know, at four years old, I wanted to be Superman. I, you know, I ran around with the little terry cloth towel around my neck, big one of those big safety pins holding it in. And in my mind, that's who I was going to be when I grew up. And, you know, as you get older, you kind of realize and people tell you, yeah, you can't be Superman, you know, and that's not, you know, realistic. So it, it moved over into I was good in sports. I played football. So I wanted to play in the NFL. And for up until I was about 16, 17 years old, that was the goal, the dream. And as I got older, I kind of got burnt out on football. I had some injuries. And and again, I just kind of gave up on that dream. And that was for the first time for me, something that I just I really struggled with it, but I finally just kind of quit and it stuck with me for probably 10, 15 years. And um, it was through that process of giving up on on that, that now I still continue to dream because after that, I started dreaming of going into law enforcement, which which is what I did. And but there was always in the back of my head. Uh, man, what if I would have stayed with football? And it didn't um, help that I had a lot of NFL players being here in Denver. We got the Broncos. Uh, I had a lot of NFL players that I met, that I got to know, that, that are friends today. And so there was always that that thought of, man, what if I would have stayed with it? Would I have made it to the league? And it was during that that point that I, I told myself, OK, I don't like this feeling of, of regret and having the what if. And, you know, from that point, it, it just became a, a almost like a mantra for me. If there was something that I wanted to do or experience, I'm just going to do it. And I, you know, and I can tell you, I've figured those things out. Like I said, I have other plans that are. Uh, coming into play right now that, you know, within the next year, there'll be other things that I'm doing. I, I already told myself I got 20 as a real estate agent. I'm going to give myself probably 24, 25, and I'll probably hang that up. 
And I kind of like the idea of being able to say 26 years in law enforcement, 24 years in real estate. I mean, that's 50 years uh, in two different professions and nobody does that. (laughs) So, um, yeah. And, and, And when I say it, I will already be into a whole nother profession at that point. Um, so again, it, yeah, and it is, it's just that thing inside of me. And I think we all have this burning desire, um, you know, to do, you know, special things. We, you know, I don't think anyone, you know, dreams of going to a job that they're not happy with. Now, if you dream of going to a job and you, when you go to that job, you love it, you know, as a teacher or as a police officer or whatever it is, and you're totally happy with it then yeah, that's where you're supposed to be at. But there's so many people out there that are in jobs, they're in doing things that they're not happy with and and they, they have settled. They have given up on whatever it is that they dreamed about doing. And for me, at, when I got to the point in law enforcement, it was the dream job. And when it started to not be, that's when I had to really take notice of Number one, how the person that I was becoming and and how it was affecting, you know, me personally, how it was affecting my family life, all those different things. And I can tell you, when I retired seven years ago and I went into entrepreneurship, I never looked back. And I mean, there's never been a bad day. Yeah, there's bad moments, but there's never been a, a bad you know, day during that time. And, um, you know, when you can wake up, I mean, without an alarm clock and you wake up with purpose and your, you know, your your calling wakes you up, there's not just not a better feeling out there for you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I have a question because I talk to a lot of people who um, especially a lot of millennials, because we're kind of just tired of the whole system. Um mm-hmm. How do you decide um, whether you're quitting or if you're moving on, moving forward? Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you have been through so many different transitions and things in your life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's uh, almost a barometer inside of if it's something that I'm involved with and it's not bringing me happiness, it's not bringing me pleasure and I don't feel like I'm making an impact, then it's probably not the place that I that I need to be in. And I can tell you now, because of entrepreneurial endeavors of the past, I do have a lot of people that reach out to me with some great opportunities. And I, I have to kind of uh, check the boxes, so to speak, of what it is that they're they're offering. And, you know, we um Mark Twain has a quote that he said, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. And it's that why that for me, once I figured that out, it makes it so easy to to know what my next steps are. So the why for me is really service to others. And what I realized all my adult life, that's what I've done. I served in the military for my country. I protected and served as a police officer. Even in my real estate business, I look at it as I am serving my my clients. You know, I I put uh, I, I don't I don't concern myself about commissions and things of that nature of what I'm receiving. That's going to come. What I 
want is for my client, whether they're a buyer or a seller, to have the best experience of buying or selling or both that you can possibly have in real estate. So it's very important to me, the customer service aspect of how I present myself and, and how I'm received by my clients. So with that, again, it's a matter of when other opportunities come along, whether it's from an entrepreneurial opportunity or it's a volunteer, um, it's about, okay, am I serving others? Am I, you know, am I going to make an impact on others? And uh, is this something that, number one, do I have, can I fit it in? Do I have time to be able to do it? Can I do it to a level that I do everything else? Because I don't want to take on too much. And then all of a sudden I've spread myself too thin. Um, and if it's something that, that, you know, again, ignites that spark in me, then I know that I'm going to put my best foot forward uh, with it. So, yeah, it is a matter of, of really kind of checking the boxes, making sure that it's the right thing for me and making sure I'm the right thing for for whatever it is um, and that we're a good fit. Because if that's the case, then I know that um, I will do well at it and, and I will serve, um, you know, whoever it is that I'm serving in that um, particular capacity at my best. Mm, yeah, that was one of my follow-up questions, but you already answered it, of, like, the mm. questions that you ask yourself to say yes to a thing or no to a thing. So I mm. really like how you're able to, you you know, check the boxes of, okay, this is okay and this is not okay, based on mm. um, your core. And yeah. Yes. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I have another question. So um, how... How did you come to the point where you you said it's not about the commission, it's about the service to others? Mm-hmm. I notice a lot, like, when you transition or when anyone transitions into entrepreneurship and you're like, man, I have to pay my rent or I pay my mortgage or I have, you know. And so you are at a stage now where you, you're not focused on dollar you're focused Mm -hmm. on the whole thing so how can what can you tell folks who are still at that transition of but it's money and i need money and (laughs) moving to that point of something beyond where you can say yes to money or no to money but it's it's beyond that can you talk a little bit about this yeah now i can tell you that in the beginning of whatever it is that you're doing it, it that is a challenging thing to be able to do because again, you you need to you started something new and you needed to make money. Number one, the fact that when it starts to make money, you know that okay, this was the right decision. This is working, and I can see the possibilities. Um, and but I so I get how difficult it can be to to kind of take that perspective in the very beginning, but. What I learned along the way, you know, 20 years in real estate now is that if, you know, I um, I have my website It's called Colorado Dream Home Finders. And the one thing that I do for my clients is it is about finding your dream home. And it's about, you know, living this thing that we we've called the American dream of home ownership for so many years. And so I, I kind of focus on that purpose. And since I've been able to do that 
what I've, I've learned is, and you know, I, cause I can tell you there was a point when, yeah, I'm counting the dollars and I'm uh, thinking about the income that I wanted to make. But now I look at it as how many people can I impact this year? How many families can I help find a home and how many, and like this year, my goal is to take someone from a 500 credit score to a homeowner by the end of the year. And I, I want to do that with five families. Uh, and the reason being, cause I've done it before. Uh, but this year I'm setting a goal of doing it with, with five. Um, and you know, the reason for that is it's, it's a little bit selfish, but at the same time, it, I know that I'm, um, also having a huge impact on someone's life. The selfish part is this feeling, this fulfillment that I get when I can slide the keys across the table to someone that a year before that, you know, probably didn't even think they would ever own a home and they had been renting for all their lives. And, and, you know, to see people tear up and start crying the moment they get those keys and they realize this huge accomplishment that they've been able to do, it, it's a special moment. And, and to be a part of it is, um, you know, again, it's just a great feeling that I get inside. So it's almost like um, I'm driven by the emotions. And one thing I talk about in my book is, you know, a lot of times we get, we set goals. Like if we have monetary goals, we, we, we say that we want to make a hundred thousand dollars for the year. What I teach people is don't attach yourself to the number and I, and I take them through a process of where we get down to an emotion that you will feel when you reach that number. And I, I tell them to attach to the emotion because the emotion drives motion. And, and when you can attach to that, um, that emotion that you will feel, that's that thing that, that will wake you up on a daily basis, no matter what the goal is, whatever it is. And just like I said, for me, I just want to feel that sense of fulfillment of being able to help families that didn't believe it was possible. Mm -hmm. Oh, I have one more question about real estate before we get into your book, because now I'm um, so intrigued. Um, right. So for folks, I actually have two more questions. So can you give a real estate 101 for those people who are interested in uh, investing and then also those folks who are interested in buying. And my mm -hmm. second question is, what is happening right now in, in Denver in real estate? So you can okay. answer those either way. For those, that's what I want to know. All right. Okay. So uh, I'll start with the buying part first. Really, you know, the the first step I always tell people is talk to a, a mortgage broker just to find out where you're at. You know, if there are some credit concerns or there's debt to income issues that need to be taken care of, the, you know, knowledge is power. And once you have, you know, applied and you know, okay, I qualify right off the bat for 250,000 or I qualify for 400,000 or I don't qualify, but I just need to take care of raising my credit score 30 points then you have you create a plan around the things that that need to be done to put yourself in a position to to purchase. And, you know, I've had people that were had rented all their life and they wanted to buy a home. But 
felt like they were maybe another year or two off before they could do that. And I would ask them a few questions and based off of what they would share with me, I'm like, you know, you may be able to buy a home now and put them in contact with the lender and they qualify to buy a house. And, you know, they're blown away by it, but they've never taken the steps yet. That was the first time. And then all of a sudden they realize it. So, you know, it's really uh, making those just making that first step. It's always anything that we do for the first time. It's that first step that's always the hardest. So, you know, that's where we show you just, you know, how to take that first step, get the information. And then again, once you have the information, you can kind of determine where where you go from there. And it's the same thing going into the, the real estate investing side of it. Really, again, making that decision. Now, I can tell you in the Denver market, it's a little bit more challenging because our prices are just increasing, um, you know, at, at such a astronomical level right now. And it's, you know, it's tough to find properties. But in from what I understand, that's a, almost a national issue that we're experiencing. But uh, there are opportunities in in real estate investing. I do know uh, quite a few investors here that live here in Denver that invest in other states and other cities. Uh, Nashville um, is one of those areas that's really up and coming, but the prices compared to Denver are so much lower. So there's some really great opportunities, um, you know, for fix and flips, which is where you you have a property that needs a lot of work. Um, you maybe you have some expertise in that area and you buy it, do all the work. And now all of a sudden the value of it has gone up and you can put it back on the market and sell it and typically make, you know, a, a pretty significant profit uh, from that. And then the buy and hold is what many investors do. That's where you buy a property and you rent it out and you create a positive or a passive income by monthly rents that you receive, but you're also increasing in value. Typically on a monthly basis, you're you're seeing a property increase in value. So it's almost, you know, like two different types of streams of income from one uh, particular source, from one property where you have it growing in value, but then you also have this this passive income coming in off of it. And really, uh, there's a, a thing that we call house hacking that uh, a lot of um, millennials, a lot of uh, the generation Zers are, you know, getting into an age at, you know, roughly 21, 23 years old where they're doing this. And this is where you, you know, in many cases we've all at some point, you know, had a roommate or maybe had a couple of roommates and we, you know, had a three bedroom apartment and we each rented out, you know, we, we have our room, so to speak. And uh, we just, you know, join our money to to pay the rent. Well, I've shown uh, people how to instead of paying a landlord, become the landlord and rent out the other two rooms. So buy uh, like a, a three bedroom condo and you have one room, but you have two more rooms that you can rent out. I just had a young man. He closed um, on his his condo. It's a two bedroom condo, but he closed on it in January. Yeah, January. And he um, 20 years old and, you know, he purchased this, uh, had some help from his grandmother with the down payment. But he's the homeowner 
and he already had a roommate lined up. So his roommate will be paying probably half his mortgage, you know, for him. And uh, and we've talked about the next steps for him or probably within the next uh, two years to continue to save his money and put himself in a position to buy another property. He'll move into that property. It'll be a three bedroom, at least a three bedroom. He'll rent the other bedroom that he moves out of on this other unit. He'll rent that one out and then he'll have other bedrooms in the new unit to be able to rent out. And we show you a, a formula of how to do that with five to 10 houses and how you can create a passive uh, residual income. But again, you think about it, you're buying condos that are appreciating in value. And, mm. um, you know, so you're, you're building a portfolio as well. And like I said, this kid is 20 years old and he's doing this. Oh, I can't imagine by the time he's 30, he's just going to yeah. be sitting on money. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> wow. How cool. Um, so what's happening right now with real estate in Denver? You said it's crazy, but can you like talk about like what is crazy? Like, what's it looking like from your perspective? Yeah, so what we have is, you know, we can call it a perfect storm. It's really where we have these amazingly low interest rates. And this is all because of of COVID and the fact that, you know, we had so many people that lost their jobs and the economy was uh, going down. And one of the areas that keeps the economy thriving is the real estate market. So what you know the, the federal reserve was able to do was lower the interest rates probably april may of last year and they've stayed low uh, and we will probably have about another 18 months of these low interest rates so what that has created is buyers uh, again a lot of first-time home buyers um, that because the interest rates are lower they can afford more house than they, they could when they were up higher. So now we have just this large pool of, of buyers that are looking out there. And for whatever reason, we have homeowners that are not necessarily selling. So we don't have, in Denver, we have our record low uh, inventory over probably the lowest it's been in 20 some odd years. And uh, so it creates that supply and demand still where we have more buyers than we have uh, properties for them to, to purchase. So what it, what it creates is the prices are continuing to go up. Um, you know, I, I've had people or agents that have told me about deals where they get 28 offers on one house. Well, only one person can win. So 27 people lost on that deal. And all those offers, obviously, they're over the asking price. So they're going 25, 30,000 higher than what, you know, the asking price was what was that. And in many cases, they're going 25, 30,000 over probably what the value is at. So some people are even waiving their appraisals uh, just to be able to win the bid. So it, it's a very challenging uh, market if you're a buyer right now if you're a seller yeah it's a great time to be a seller 
Uh, I just put a house on the market yesterday. We don't start showings until tomorrow, but we got 21 showings scheduled as of right now. And, you know, we'll probably go about 20,000 over what we're asking. Um, so, yeah, so, it, you know, it's an exciting time, like I said, for the, the uh, sellers, but it's, it's a challenging time for buyers right now. For sure. Oh, my goodness. Let's mm -hmm. talk about your book because I saw the picture of it. It looks real nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank so, you. So, yes, tell me all the things about your book. All right. Yeah, and here it is right here. Uh, Ignite with Greatness. It's, uh, and it's available uh, hardcover as well as paperback on my website, igniteyourgreatness.com. You can also get it on Amazon as well. The, uh, the paperback, we're still working on the hardcover on Amazon. Um, but it, it's um, it, a part of it is my story, but it's also kind of some of the realizations that I found in regards to that regret, in regards to the why. Um, and it's in regards to living a, a life uh, with uh, purpose and, and being driven by that purpose. So in in the book and one of the things that I, I, I went through my personal development journey roughly about 13 years ago. And the very first book that I read was Napoleon Hill. I've read that book six times and. It was the game changer for me in regards to my belief in what I can achieve. And I can tell you that I had so much doubt in regards to to my own abilities prior to that. Uh, and I think for it, it was during that time that I was in this job it was a great job, six figure income as a police officer. Uh, but I, I was still settling. I, I knew there was something more in me, but I just didn't believe in, in myself enough. And, you know, I started listening to Les Brown roughly about 11 years ago. And I heard these these words, there's greatness in you. And I can tell you for the probably the first couple of years that I heard that it went in one year out the other. But it was over the course of time, all of a sudden it started sticking. Um, in my head. And then I started questioning, well, is there greatness in me? You know, and is there anything that makes me different from Michael Jordan or, um, you know, Jay-Z or, you know, people that have had, you know, an enormous amounts of success? Um, I've had some success, but, you know, I haven't had that level of success. So is there anything that's different? So I, I, I started a just to study the idea of greatness and what I, I realized, Kobe Bryant had a quote that probably sums up greatness the best. And someone asked him, you know, what is greatness? And he said, it's your ability to inspire the next person. And, uh -huh. you know, uh, I, you know, I've heard this, this saying that, you know, uh, God's gift to us was life. How we live that life is our gift back to God. And I feel like how we live that life is how we inspire others, how we impact the world while we're here. What is it that we leave behind uh, that creates our legacy that will have an impact on the world? So that's really when I started looking at the fact that, you know, we all have gifts and talents inside of us. We all have, um, you know, it, it may not be something that gives us fame and fortune, 
but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not greatness, you know, from that that particular aspect of things. And yeah. so what I experienced for myself was that idea of, okay, your greatness lies in your ability to give service to others. And like I said, every decision that I make is based off of, of that calling. And even with the book, this is service to others. This is being able to deliver this message of, you know, that we all have greatness inside of us. And I break down the book into three parts. So the first part of it is I prove that you have greatness inside of you. And the second part is once I prove it, now I give you I show you the tools that you need to be able to to pull it out of yourself, to ignite the greatness inside of you. And then the third part is just uh, it's almost going back to the proof, but I call it the evidence of greatness. There are four people. Um, one of them is my spiritual mentor, who is uh, he's a YouTube you know, sensation uh, known you know, all around the world through YouTube. I think he's got about 40 million views on YouTube of his motivational videos. Another one was a guy I call him the Steve Jobs of real estate, one of the most brilliant minds that I know uh, right here in the Denver market that uh, is a real estate mogul. Uh, another one is a young lady. Her name is Danielle Schutz. Um, you know, her story is amazing. At 16 years old, she had her her son at 30 years old. 14 years later, she was the vice president of business operations for Comcast. So you, know, you think being a teen uh, mom would set you on a track of you know not necessarily being successful. But here it is. She went to whole new levels of success in a very short period of time. And it was still from her being able to identify, um, you know, this greatness inside of her and and ignite it and run with it. You know, after that, she actually used, you know, her her pregnancy and and the birth of her son was a. a fuel that burned the fire because she knew, okay, I have, it's not just me now. I have someone that I got to take care of. And it just took her, her career to, to whole new levels. So, um, you know, so that's really kind of a breakdown uh, of the book and, and what it, you know, you, you can expect to, to get out of it. Oh, yes. Um, who needs to read this book? You know, I, I obviously I would say everyone, but I, I think definitely that person that is in a position of you're you're in a career or you're fi- trying to figure out your career, but the the bottom line is you're you're not necessarily in a place where it's it wakes you up in the morning. I can tell you, there's this this feeling when you get locked in to whatever it is that you're passionate about. And it doesn't even have to be necessarily be a career. It could be just something from a volunteer standpoint that really just sparks you. Um, When you find that thing, you know it because it wakes you. You don't need an alarm clock to wake up. And, you know, you get up every day is a great day because you're working in something that gets you excited. So, you know, for that person that's that's looking for that type of spark, for that person also that is maybe successful. Like I said, I I had success in the things that I was doing 
prior to, you know, finding this, this burning desire inside, but it was um, being able to take it to a whole nother level once I, I identified, um, you know, that, okay, there truly is greatness in me. Because, you know, I, I just thought to myself prior to believing in there being greatness in me that, you know, okay, I've been fortunate, I've been blessed, which I have, but recognizing that I, I do play a part in this also, and, and I can direct this. And, you know, I'm a very spiritual person, so I'm constantly in prayer. One of the things that I learned is that uh, prayer is how I speak to God, but intuition is how God speaks back to me. And the things that that come back in, in regards to the intuition um, help me to continue to make the decisions of, of the next steps. And, you know, being in a place of, you know, we always uh, like I said, I have a lot of friends in the NFL um, and there's always been this saying in the NFL that it's hard to make it to the NFL, but it's even harder to stay. And um, I. I think that's that applies to anything that we do in life. You know, it's hard to to make it to being a top producer in real estate, but it's even harder to to continue to do it because the thing about it is, while it's hard to do it the first time, there's, you're climbing that mountain and there's this drive in you because you have this goal. This is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. And a lot of times when we hit our goal. Now we're like, OK, I've arrived. I, I'm here and, and we take the foot off the gas. But when we take the foot off the gas, we tend to go back down. You know, I've seen it with uh, rappers or musicians. You know, you hear about the one hit wonders. Again, there was this desire to get to a certain level. But then once you get there, you feel like you've arrived and and now you're not you don't have that same. Uh, tenacity that that got you there, you know, in the beginning. And once you get to the top, you got to realize that there's other people that are coming after you at that point. So it's even harder for you to to stay at that point. So, you know, in this book, again, that's one of those areas that I, I cover also is how to get to the top, but how to stay at the top as well. Mm. Okay, I have, I have two people I'd like you to speak to. The first one is that person who is completely exhausted and they, they have like, you know, you're on your last hair, but they got like half an inch of hair left and they're just hanging on. They, they only have enough energy and enough gumption to do one more thing. What mm-hmm. do you say to that person? The second person you to speak to is the person who is very successful but not happy or purposeful. Mm-hmm. But um, what perspective can you help them? And what uh, reframing for those two people? Okay. So there's a saying that, you know, when you're at the end of your rope, uh, tie a knot on that rope and hang on. And, and, and I can tell you that, you know, um, my story, a part of my story is, again, being in law enforcement uh, at the age of 28, I was making six figures from that point on um, in 2016. Um, just, you know, that's five years ago. 
Um, I have my worst. Now I left the police department and I'm full time entrepreneur working for myself. And I had the worst year that I had ever experienced. Um, and it put me in a position where, you know, financially I was, you know, um, barely able to hang on to having a roof over my head, uh, barely able to hang on to to, uh, you know, having my my car. I was behind on bills. And, um, you know, again, I was at the end of my rope in regards to that. But um, fortunately, I was in a place where I'd been into personal development so much at that point that I knew I, I believed in myself so much. And that that's probably one of the, you know, you think about it, you, you, you're experiencing the worst time of your life, but you still have so much faith in the future of what's coming. And many people can't do that. And a lot of it comes down to and I wouldn't have been able to do it if five years prior to that. Um, but it was through the personal development and the growth that I experienced. So I, I'm a big proponent of, you know, understanding the, the teachings of Napoleon Hill through Think and Grow Rich. There are principles, 13 principles in that book that will set you on a course for success. That's why I've read the book six times. Um, you know, so personal development is a huge aspect because, again, it's the, the ability when you can change your thinking and how you approach certain things. It will change the outcome of those things uh, for you. You know, Wayne Dyer uh, has a quote that says, um, you know, if you can uh, change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change. And yeah. And, and I mean, it's just a powerful quote that I live by because I realize when I could change my perspective, of saying, woe is me, I'm in the worst situation that I, I've ever been in. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. This is doom and gloom. Well, I actually will just bring on more doom and gloom. But I can tell you during that moment, I said, man, this is this sucks. This is terrible to be in this place. But it's going to make an amazing story five years from now, 10 years from now. And it's it's going to be exciting to be able to share this story and know that I'm impacting other people that are going through their struggle at that moment. And I can tell you, that's exact. I mean, the story is in the book and and that's exactly, you know, what I've been able to experience, um, you know, with that. So that, that would be my my response to that person that's just hanging on is to, to keep hanging on, get the personal development. The personal development is, you know, it, it, you don't need, you know, a lot of times we think, okay, well, money is going to change, turn this around for me. No, it, it's, it's going to be the mindset first. Uh, and the money will come. When you start changing your mindset, the results that you need will come and, and they will change as, as your thinking changes. Um, the person that you said is is highly successful. Can you give me the question again on that one? Yeah, like someone who is very successful, mm -hmm. uh, makes all the money, but is not satisfied, not living purposefully, and wants to make the change to a more more purpose and more um, fulfillment. Okay. Yeah. And once again, I was that person. That's when when you walk away from a six figure income, I can tell you there there were people 
that said, man, you're going to walk away from this guaranteed job and, you know, guaranteed paycheck. And see, when you say job, for me, it means something different than most. It means just over broke. And, you know, and and now making six figures, I was uh, not in a position of being broke financially, but I was broke emotionally. I was broke mentally. My spirit was broke because I wasn't happy with what I was doing at that time. So. So, yeah, when they asked me that, you're going to walk away from this guaranteed job. Yeah, I'm going to walk away from guaranteeing that I'm just over broke from a spiritual level because I got to find something that that, again, lights this fire inside of me. And so that's what I did. And I, you know, and I knew being an entrepreneur uh, was that answer for me. I, I always tell people, because even when I went through 2016, my worst time ever, people told me, man, you can go. You got 26 years in law enforcement. You can go back and, and you know, get a job anywhere. And I always tell people I was psychologically unemployable at that time. I. I I couldn't work for someone. You know, I, I'd been in a place where I got the taste of entrepreneurship and I knew, OK, this was a tough year. This was a bad year, but I'm going to turn this around instead of, you know, because, again, for me, that would have been quitting. That would have been going back. And if I took a job, I would have been in a place of regret once again. And that was that thing that I said, I am never going to experience regret again. And so there, there was no way that I could go into a job and say, um, OK, I'm going to just settle for something that I already I've already been here. I know that I don't like this. Uh, I felt broken inside, but it will pay the bills and, and get me you know, back to where I want to be. No, I said, you know what? I, I got I got other talents. I got to believe I'm going to believe in me. And, and we're going to, you know, make it through it. 2017 was the total opposite. It was the biggest year I had ever had in real estate at that point. 2018 outdid 17, 2019 outdid uh, 18 and 2020 didn't do outdo 19. But 2020 was an amazing year as well, um, you know, it, where, you know, so again, I had the worst year in 16. And now I've put together four just amazing years since then. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> and it's so encouraging. Um, one of my favorite things is um, to hear people's journeys through the struggle time mm -hmm. up until the success time. And I think that so many people are focused on the successes that they don't realize that you started somewhere and it mm -hmm. didn't look great. And but then you you built your way up to where you are now and that where you are now is not the end, that there's more that's going to be happening. So I'm excited to like watch where you're going to go next. This is so yeah. fun. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. OK, so you said tomorrow you're talking about a thing. I forgot what you said, though. Can you talk about what, what are you talking about tomorrow? Let's yeah, so it, it's a, a summit. It'll be about 22 speakers from around the world. And it's called Journey. The, the topic is Journey Back to hu uh, Humanity. And again, for me, uh, the, the uh, speech that I'm putting together is called Restoring Love by Mastering Perspective. 
And I think that that's one of the biggest things that we as a society, particularly in the U.S., have um, we've lost the ability for perspective, meaning that we can have our opinions, our ideas, but we have to also, you know, understand that there's a different side to every story. There's a different viewpoint, you know, for others and and realizing that as we you know continue to look at um, our viewpoint and we can have a strong position in on that viewpoint but we have to have an openness in regards to uh, what other people you know see um, in you know I, I think a great example I always tell people my my timeline on Facebook is is very interesting because Again, being a police officer, being a real estate agent, uh, I'm also I work as a community leader. I've been the uh, chair of the Denver African-American Commission, which was an appointment by Mayor Hancock. I currently am on the um, cabinet for Senator Coleman for the, the cabinet for housing and urban development. So, you know, I'm in a lot of different circles. So my timeline you know, I see pro-police, I see anti-police, I see, you know, uh, pro-government, anti-government. I see, uh, you know, pro-black, I see anti-black with some of the folks that I have in my, uh, my, my, my sphere of, of people. And, you know, they talk about, especially over this last year, how, you know, the unfriending or blocking of people that, you know, again, these are people, co-workers or people that you've known, but then you you hear their opinion or you see their opinion. And then all of a sudden we're we're blocking them and we're unfriending them. I keep those people. I don't I don't unfriend anyone because I want to be open to understanding their perspective. And, um, you know, and and a lot of times because, you know, again, I don't get into responding to stuff on social media, I'll just call you and or I'll send you a message and we do it one on one, you know, because, mm -hmm. again, you know, I, I think Facebook and social media is a soapbox opportunity for people. But if I can take you one on one and, and tell you, OK, I hear where you're coming from on that. But have you ever thought about it from this perspective? And, you know, again, a great example of that is. Black lives matter, all lives matter, you know, and um, what I see on this all lives matter piece is a total misunderstanding of what the Black Lives Matter movement is about and what it's meant. And I can tell you, I got some law enforcement um, groups that I'm in that they have basically made Black Lives Matter like the equivalent of a black KKK in their mind. And that's the other part of it, because I'm in some of these groups and I just kind of, you, you know, just lay low and just got my popcorn and just looking what? at what they're, they're saying. But what, what I realized is there's totally a misunderstanding of, of what certain organizations are doing. And then, you know, on the flip side of it, you know, I, I can see, um, African-Americans that I'm connected with that don't have a complete understanding of how law enforcement works, why they do certain things that they do. So I always 
talk about. And when you get in these groups of, of like minded people, oh, you just lose your mind and just kind of say all kinds of crazy things on either side. So how it looks on my my timeline is, you know, throwing, um, you know, uh, missiles across an island. You know, you got this one island that believes this. You have this island that believes this. And we're just throwing missiles at one another. And and um, my thing is somebody has to be the bridge. Somebody, you know, between these two islands, somebody has to create the bridge. And that, that bridge is understanding. That bridge is perspective. That bridge is having an open mind and the willingness to listen and the empathy to take in, you know, another person's viewpoint on something. So uh, a big part of my speech is going to be talking about that and how we, you know, again, as a society, we have become more divisive where we don't even realize it. You know, I mean, uh, I can't tell you how many people are like, oh, man, I'm Android or I'm, I'm iPhone or I'm PlayStation versus Xbox, I'm PC versus Apple, I'm Coke versus Pepsi, you know? So, um, and again, once again, we think our side is the side to be on and we can't look at, you know, yeah. I And the funny thing, Android versus Apple. I was Android for years and moved over to Apple and again, there's some some benefits to an Android device, but there's some great benefits that I that, that just fit me better on an Apple device. Um, Coke versus Pepsi. I could drink either one, you know, so uh, that. But once again, it's just been that type of mindset for me of I want to be open to 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 both sides, um, you know, of an issue. And I think that we all have to find uh, a way uh, to do that. You know, uh, Martin Luther King had a quote that he said, we must learn to live together as brothers or we will perish as foes. And that's what I'm seeing right now is we are perish perishing uh, at an alarming rate. And, and we can say perish as in physical death, but there's also th this death of the spirit, this death of that humanity that we're currently losing right now also. And it's taking us down a path. I mean, when you see, you know, January 6th, the, the insurrection uh, at the Capitol, you would think that was in a movie. You know, you, you wouldn't think that was real life. So mm -hmm. you can see this decay of humanity that's that's currently happening. Um, and if we don't get a hold of it, it's only going to get worse. Yeah, for sure. What do you what advice um, do you give to the folks? Um, I appreciate how you said I, I don't engage on Facebook. I just call you and be like, so I got a couple of questions. Um, mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Um, mm -hmm. What do you what advice do you give to folks with bridge fatigue? Like they are the ones that are bridging, but we're tired here. We mm -hmm. like what? It, what would you say to, to them? That's a hard place to be, especially right now. Yeah. Well, and, and I would say that just very simply, nobody said it was going to be easy, but it will be worth it. And and that's the thing is that anything because mm -hmm. you got to think that 
we, we got two options. We can continue to do what we're doing and throw the missiles across the two, the, the different islands at one another, or, you know, we, we can build that bridge and, and again, bring ourselves back to a, a place of love for one another. And, you know, I don't know that particularly in the U.S. that we've ever had, you know, this a genuine, you know, just country love of all people and, and all, you know, it's been it's called the melting pot, but you, there still hasn't been a lot of melting together over, you know, our 400 years of of time here. Um, and that's one of those areas. And I know we'll get into some questions in regards to that. But again, we're certain we're going backwards right now versus moving forward. So while the work is is tiresome and, and we will all grow weary of doing um, work that is required, um, but you have to, you know, you have to stay locked in on this. That's going to be even when you're you're going for, you know, just things in your own personal life. There are going to be times when it, it gets tiresome and and you don't feel like you can make it. But that's the difference between those that are successful and those that are not, is that when you get tired, you still find a way uh, to get back up on your feet and, and keep moving forward with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. Thank you so much for all of the, the, the perspective and the reframing. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, these are my questions. Let me get my notes before I forget. Um, so first one is, um, and you can answer these in either way or mm-hmm. either order, but what is it like to be a black man in 2021? And the second question is, what is it like to be black in Denver? Okay. Um, you know, a black man in 2021 is there. I always look at it. I, I just wrote an article in the Denver Urban Spectrum where I was talking about the history of real estate. And I talked about 40 acres and a mule. I talked about redlining. I talked about the uh, the Civil Rights Movement and the Fair Housing Act of the 1960s and where we are now. So we've obviously made progress and I'm going to apply that same thing to being a black man there. You know, again, we've gone from slavery, you know, and I often talk about, um, you know, the advancement of African-Americans in general. Uh, When you look at um, being a slave um, and the American dream and this race that we have, in the American dream, well, as slaves, we weren't even allowed to be in the race. Um, so, you know, we just saw, you know, our, our masters and, and white Americans that were able to build the, the American dream. Um, you know, we had the Emancipation Proclamation, we had the freedom of, of slaves. Um, we were now in the race, but I always say that, but we had a 10 pound weight around our leg. So we were still probably a hundred pound weight around our leg. Uh, so we were still at a disadvantage. So we were allowed to be in the race, so to speak, but we're, we're working from a place of uh, being disadvantaged in the race. And then, you know, we go into um, the civil rights movement and 
the Civil Rights Act of, I think, 1968 being signed. Now the the ball, the, the weight has been removed, so to speak. There's laws in place that protect our rights uh, as African-Americans, but we're still, but we're, we're 200 years or so behind in the race at that point. So we're in a place of trying to, to catch up. And even with there being laws in place, there's still cheating going on in the race. And, and, you know, there are loopholes in the laws and things of that nature where we're still working at a disadvantage. And then you take us, you know, where we are 2020, where, again, we've made some progress, um, but we continue to, you know, again, we're, we're battling the, those areas of where um, we're, we're being cheated in, in certain things. But now we because, again, of education and. Uh, you know, seeing African-American men as doctors, as attorneys, number one, our children are now having role models in positions, um, you know, like that, that they can see look like them and believe in them. You know, having Robert Smith as a, an African-American uh, billionaire that made his his billions in from a business standpoint, not in entertainment, not in sports and things of that nature. So seeing um, different um, men, women even that are creating success for themselves, uh, even being at the disadvantage that they were 30 years ago. And just knowing that, you know, again, as we progress, we're, we're getting more uh, opportunities to, to even, we're still trying to even the playing field, but we're ha we have more opportunities to be able to do that now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm glad that there's light coming. Yes, absolutely. Okay, next question. Um, do you have a message for black people and what is your message for the white people? Okay, uh, message for black people, I would definitely say, um, and part of the message is going to be the same for white people as well. And it goes back to being open to different ideas, different viewpoints, different perspectives of, you know, and, and that could be whether it's someone that's black, white, whatever the case may be, we have to be open to different viewpoints and, and gaining understanding. Um, you know, it's always interesting to me to be able to understand what, you know, the thing is, no one is born a racist. That's a learned behavior. And so for me, it's like understanding what was taught to give someone hate in their heart for another human being based off of skin tone or based off of religion or based off of, you know, uh, their their sexual orientation, whatever the case may be. What was it inside of that person that was um, this learned behavior over years that that created that and what what um, has been learned can be unlearned. So it, it's a matter, you know, it, it's really a matter of, you know, being able to reverse engineer some of the thinking in, in regards to certain areas. And again, when you're living in a country that's called the melting pot, you have to realize that 
unlike any other country in the world, we are going to have diversity. So you have to be able to embrace that that diversity because that's who we are. That's what I I our identifier as a country is that melting pot and the, the diversity that we have, unlike any other country. That's what makes us special. Um, but if we you know can't live together and love together, then we're gonna have a problem, you know, with with that, you know, that's always been a special thing to be this melting pot, but the way that we've conducted ourselves over, you know, particularly the last few years um, does not make us look special at all in the eyes of the rest of the world. So, mm-hmm. so it's kind of a message uh, for on both sides with that, particularly for for black people. I would say that again, we have to continue to just strive and move forward and know that, you know, again, this whole thing that I'm talking about in regards to greatness, we all have it inside of us. Um, And, you know, I think particularly when you come from struggle, uh, when you come from resistance, you become stronger. You know, when you think about when you go to the gym, your intention when you go to the gym is to, to take your muscles to muscle failure by resistance of the weight by the struggle of pulling up the weight. And, but what that does is it makes your muscles stronger. And it's the same thing in life. You know, these, the, the struggles that we have in life, as we, you know, while they're hard to get through, once you get through that struggle, you are a better person on the other side of it. And you're a better person than that person that has not had to experience uh, struggle. Because, you know, there's one, one interesting thing about a, a storm I, I always like to share with people is that we are all going to go through storms in our life. And, and there's three three different places that we're always at in a storm. We're either in a storm in our life, we're coming out of a storm, or we're headed to a storm. One of the three is always happening. And, mm. and so when you recognize that the storms are just a part of the deal, and a part of the process. Um, so you recognize that piece and then you you identify that, okay, here's a storm coming. Guess what? I've been through a storm before. It made me stronger. This one will too. So we have to just continue to be able to go through the storms, weather the storm, take the lesson that comes out of the storm and get better from it and just continue to advance. Oh, yes. Excellent. Um, book that everybody needs to read or books, including yours. And then also a song that is like your song right now. All right. Um, the book, uh, again, both of them are Napoleon Hill books. Both of them. One of them is was uh, published in 1937, Think and Grow Rich. But it was the game changer for me. And and again, when you know you hear the title "Think and Grow Rich," where you, you think money and and from a monetary standpoint, but he's really talking about just creating success in your life, whether it's monetary, whether it's just you know having um, a happy, fulfilled life. Um, so, "Think and Grow Rich" is is my number one book, and then my number two book is actually another Napoleon Hill book that he wrote. 
1938, but he did not publish or his, his uh, foundation did not publish until 2008. He had passed away in 1970, but it was so controversial that his wife said, you cannot release this book while we're alive. And um, and it took several years, even after his passing, before it was it was released and it was called outwitting the, or it's called outwitting the devil. And the reason that it was so controversial, because the entire book is Napoleon Hill interviewing the devil on how he controls the world. And it's so impactful because I, I've done the audiobook version of it. And the person that does the voice of the devil, I mean, he has this demonic sound to him. And mm-hmm. 10 minutes into the book, you literally think you're listening to the devil and you're taking notes because the agreement that Napoleon Hill makes when he sits down with the devil is that the devil will give up all of his secrets of how he controls the world. And mm-hmm. in this book, you know, he talks about how he controls us through fear and doubt. And and when I understood that for myself, it let me know that anytime I'm fearful of doing something, then that means I need to push through it because, number one, the devil is at work and he sees that, okay, this Barry guy is on to something. Let me throw some fear his way. Let me try and distract him. Let me get him off track of what he's he's currently doing, because He's on to something right now that can create something amazing for himself and other other people. So I recognize when I have fear, or when I have doubt or or when some type of uh, distractions come into my life that are taking me off course. I look at that as the devil is at work and it gets me back on track as to what I need to be doing. So, you know, the one thing I always have said about books is it's great to read them. Great to get the information, but if you apply the information that you're getting, especially from personal growth books, it's when you apply it that you will start to see things change, you know, in your life. Mm, excellent. Favorite song or a song that's like the one everybody needs to hear? Your favorite sound <laughs> or favorite? You know, uh, so I, I've been doing some uh, documentaries on Netflix and Amazon um, Prime. And so Sam Cooke has been someone that I've been really um, just kind of enthralled with his whole life and realizing the impact that he had on the civil rights movement that I was totally unaware of. But the the song that he has, A Change Gonna Come, is Mm. the one, it's been with me probably for 10 years, but since I've been going through these documentaries, it's it holds an even stronger place in my heart right now. So oldie but goodie, but uh, you know, just has a very powerful message to it. Oh yes. Okay. Um, favorite place in Denver. Everybody needs to go here. <laughs> um, you know, I would say there's uh, a couple of different breakfast spots, but there's one, uh, and you maybe remember this. I think it was here when you were here, but it's called Jelly on. On Fort, I think it was at 13th, 13th and about Washington or so. Uh, great breakfast restaurant, one of my favorite uh, places to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
I promise as soon as I, I wasn't even a breakfast fan until like, I live over here with like, like noodles and soy sauce, but as soon as I get back to Denver, I'm going straight to get pancakes. I'm oh, so yeah. excited. <laughs> yes. Do you have any last minute, I forgot to say this part and I really want everyone to know this part or this part is really, really important and I want to say it one more time. Do you have any more? Did you, did you get it all? Yeah. Yeah, I think what I, I would share with that is basically, again, we, we all hear the term, I'm living my best life. And I think that not all of us or, or many of us, even the people that say that are truly living their best life or living the dream. And instead of just talking about it, I would say be about it. Do do those things. Uh, find the things that you enjoy, you know, find that purpose that you have for yourself and truly live your best life and, and live your dreams. And I, I can tell you for the last four years, that's really what I've been able to experience. And it is an amazing place to be in, to be in a position where as a law enforcement officer, you know, of 10 years ago, where I, you know, had a very negative mindset and um, uh, kind of it, it created negative results and it created kind of just negative relationships. And when I was able to, again, change my thinking, um, it literally put me in a totally different place in regards to uh, the results that, that come into my life and the outcomes that I experience. So really, you know, don't just talk about living your best life. Do all the things you can to actually live it and and live your dreams. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, last question. Then we done. Um, how can we find you, support you, hire you? What are you doing? Um, how do we get your book? All of those things. All right. Annette. Yeah, so I'm on uh, LinkedIn as Barry L. Overton. I'm on Facebook as Barry L. Overton and on Instagram as Barry Overton. And uh, you can go to any of those sites and connect with me. Also have a YouTube channel under Barry Overton. Uh, the Greatness Ignited podcast is there. We've, we've uh, interviewed Les Brown, uh, Rod Smith. Uh, we have Steve Atwater and I actually have a, a major um, person in the, the music industry. I can't even re release the name just yet, but uh, we're still in negotiations. But uh, he should be on the podcast as well. And then the, the book itself, uh, Ignite Your Greatness. Uh, you can just go to igniteyourgreatness.com. You can get your uh, paperback version or the hardcover. If you purchase the hardcover uh, for a limited time, I am also sending a uh, an Ignite Your Greatness um, um, coffee mug for free uh, when you purchase the hardcover. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining us on Melanated Stamps. It's, I feel so inspired and I really appreciate you sharing your journey with us all um, and best of luck to all the things you're doing in Denver all right thank you so much and thank you all for right. having me this is great <laughs> all right have a good afternoon or morning I don't know what time it is but yes all right yeah. see you later Barry <laughs> all right you take care okay right. goodbye
Oh, Barry, thank you so much for supporting our family and for um, being such a light in our community and for being great and um, letting us know that the greatness is actually inside us already. I'm so grateful for your work. For those of you who um, would like to learn more about what Barry is offering and also to support him in his entrepreneurial um, journey and in his writership, please find his book at igniteyourgreatness.com. Also, come find me, follow my work, and check out my other podcast episodes with um, phenomenal guests at melanatedstamps.com, M-E-L-A-N-A-T-E-D-S-T-A-M-P-S. And you can also find me at Instagram with the same spelling. You can also put a face to a voice by um, checking out my website. And I've got some really great pictures of Barry as well. So please, friends, be kind to yourself, love yourself, take a nap without apologizing, and also um, find others who need just a little bit of love and love on them. Drink your water and have a great rest of your week. Bye-bye.